It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. Lacrosse fans, it's Tuesday. Please pay attention. It's time for Lax Class. Welcome back to Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for episode number 97. Jake Elliott, Brad Challoner with you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, another great program lined up here for you for episode 97 as we take things in a bit of a different direction this week as we lead up to the NLL entry draft coming up on Thursday, just a couple of days away. We will be joined by two head coaches that have produced more NLL lacrosse players than any other university on the planet. Oh, I think that's true. If not, it sounds pretty good, so I'm going to go with it. But the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, Nick Myers, one of our favorite conversations to have, will join us here in about 20, 25 minutes from now. And then somebody we've never talked to, but an absolute factory. Just look up and down the list here from Robert Morris University, Drew McMinn will join us, and I, Brad, I'll get you in here. This, You and I both kind of agree on this topic, that talking to coaches, and in particular college coaches, are some of our favorite conversations to have. These guys just run at a different level. Day two, and uh, yeah, happy happy Tuesday, my man. Glad to be back on the program. What's up? Uh, yeah, the college coaches are, you and I always say, we, we call, we, whenever we're finishing an interview, we're like, that was good. That guy's a lifer. And the lifers that we've had on the show, guys like guys could still be playing. Like Dan Dawson is one of our favorite interviews. Colin Doyle, any of the NAL, uh, NLL head coaches, like a Chris Gill or a Malone. Shani is always up there, yeah. Shani, like those guys who could just, it's, it's their life. They've been around it for 30, 40, 50 years in some cases. And they just know every corner and every aspect of the game. And the college coaches are much like that. They get paid a lot of money, mind you, to dedicate their lives <laughs> to turning over probably the highest paid people in the sport of lacrosse. Yeah, I don't think people realize that. I don't think people realize that uh, how much those guys are, are raking in. But they like they honestly they don't sleep. They just they stay no, awake. And... They, yeah, they have they have to recruit. So and it's pretty unorthodox. But a guy like Nick Myers, last time he was on the show with us regaling us of stories going to see Logan Shuss play at the Tawasin Arena, which barely ever hosts any lacrosse games. Like, going out to T-Town, past the ferry terminal, name-dropping people that yeah. were on Logan's team back then. To know the recruits coming from all across the country, to know your opponent, to study them, to get these guys in the gym and set them up not to be professional athletes, but, but just exemplary human beings, too. Uh, college coaches mesmerize me. We've got two of the best. You mentioned they are the two guys churning out the most pros. Uh, McMinn's RMU leads the way. 11 NLL players That's on crazy, man. last year yeah. out of RMU. And uh, Nick Myers is the Ohio State Buck guys. Uh, not far behind with nine pros. And that's just year. current. That's just current, guys. That's never mind. Yeah, 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 never mind the. Yeah, never mind the list uh, of guys previous to that, which, which is a long one. And both guys have had tenure now at at those universities. So Nick Myers, Drew McMinn coming up, and uh, Brad, we're recording here on a Monday, and you know it was good to have football back. I really enjoyed a, a lazy Sunday, just kind of laying around doing housework and and watching ball, and then. Took a little uh, 
run down to the park at night, which I know I wasn't really supposed to do because for people that don't know, there is just wild, crazy fires going on down in California and Oregon. And and my goodness, uh, thoughts and prayers go out to, to the people of, of California right now and, and what they're dealing with. Um, and a big fire here actually last night in New Westminster as well. It's just crazy. We have the worst air quality in the world right now where we're hanging out. Yeah, us and we keep going back and forth with Portland, but we beat L.A. and Shanghai. And <laughs> we beat them. We beat them. <laughs> That's not, not good. That's not a good I, thing. I wished out. Yeah. No, I went out. I, I'm blaming it on the smoke, but I went out for a run on, I think it was Thursday morning as it started rolling in, and I made it like three quarters, maybe half of the way that I knew, normally do one of my routes. I'm like, yeah. I can't do this. Like, this is bad. And I've kind of just locked myself uh indoors for the last couple of days so yeah thoughts and prayers and and huge props to everybody fighting those fires uh up and down the west coast here because it has been it has been wild yeah i mean it's just i don't know what what else 2020 can can bring our way uh but like i, I like i mentioned I, I took a little jog down to the park last night because the masters guys are playing on sunday night and i live pretty close to the field so I started out walking. And I thought, "Heck, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start jogging," which I never thought it was something I would do or say. But anyways, I, I ran down there and and was watching the yoga, and I don't know if it has anything to do with the smoke, but the moths. There was like thousands of moths just flying around. The field. <laughs> I'm just thinking like murder hornets. Now these moths and the smoke and the COVID. Anyways, uh, uh, it's I looked it's just... out of the window yesterday morning. I'm like, I think this is how the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> impending doom. Yeah, it's just the like some of the pictures with the smoke. It just looks like the apocalypse out there, and it's it's pretty freaky. So I'm uh, happy to be hunkered down inside here and, and talking some lacrosse with you and a couple of coaches coming up for the next hour or so. Yeah, and, and just to sort of elaborate on that just for a sec, I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, you know the reason why we wanted to have those two guys on the program this week is a little bit different perspective heading in to draft night on Thursday night. We've heard a lot of talk about the guys outside of Jeff T. We know about T. Um, but there's been a lot of talk about the, the sort of two, four, five, six guys and where they're going to fall. You're yeah, right. you forgot yeah. three as well, Brad. Don't forget about Jeff three. Hendrick, Trey LeClaire. Sorry, I just bypassed the, 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 the one that's closest to my heart right now. Yeah. But yeah, they're talking about <laughs> Trey LeClaire and Jeff Hendrick and Ryan Smith and those guys that are talked about in the, as that next group. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk to their college coaches, basically get a scouting report straight from the horse's mouths on uh, what teams can expect if they do pick a Smith or a LeClaire or a Henrik, or if you really want to go deep. I'm going to touch on uh, Terrafanko with Coach Nick Myers as well, because that could be a sneaky pick for a team deep in this draft. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, remind me to ask, like, how many different teams contact a coach like Nick or Drew uh, when when they're getting a scouting, because I'm I'm just kind of thinking like probably that that's not an availability that's there for for everyone. I don't know, but um, I would think some GMs and coaches are going to be listening to these two guys and getting a, like you said a scouting report, an in depth breakdown of of Smith and Leclerc and Henrik uh, right before the draft. Like I I think this is going to be a pretty important stuff here with these two guys. So I'm looking forward to that. And of course we haven't even mentioned Brad. We got quick sticks. We got something else. I almost said under review, but no, it's something else this week on episode 97. We kind of teased it last week. Uh, we're going to roll it out this week. Raw audio from the Jimmer. 
uh, and we don't really even know what the subject is. This is going to be a surprise to us, Bradley. We're just going to let it rip, and then uh, we'll, we'll have our reaction to it. So I'm looking forward to this. It's a little, it's a little scary, but it's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So something else coming up, quick six as well. And, of course, we got Stampede Tax, who we had and who you got. Brad, we're down to the final eight, the Elite Eight Started out with 64, and we're down to the Elite Eight here after uh, these two fights. But I'm, we're going to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it after I tell you about Stampede Tack and Western Wears News Oil Skin Collection. The harsh Australian Outback features the traditional low rider duster. This is a waterproof, full-length slicker. Man, I think, like, just walking around the streets in a full-length duster slicker would be a pretty boss move, Brad. Like, I don't think anyone's messing around with you if you're walking around in one of those things. Or you can check out the Bush Ranger jacket as well. Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Open 24-7 online. Check the website for store hours as well at stampede.ca. Full-length oil skin slicker. My goodness. Uh, all right. Who we had, Brad? Results are in final two fights of round three. Which one do you want to do first? Uh, let's go with what I thought was the upset with uh, the Paul Dawson scrap. Okay. Upset. Oh, right. So, but he had been getting a lot of support via Twitter through throughout this first round, uh, getting past Brody McDonald and, of course, uh, beat up Bill Gary, another goalie in the, in the first round there. So a couple of rounds for Ward Sanderson, but he is done as Paul Dawson, just as I predicted, Bradley, gets through. And now, uh, should I tell you who he's fighting next round here? Rory Smith and Paul Dawson are going to fight in the round of eight. This is going to be good. Did they ever go in they did. real life? Yes. Uh, look that one up on YouTube. I believe when Polly was with, I want to say, Philly or Boston, and I believe Rory with Orlando at the time. They had a really good scrap. Look that fight up right now, Brad, while I tee up this next scrap here. And as we both predicted, one Psycho McMichael – advancing here as he gets past uh, Jeff Molesky, and he now will fight the goalie in Patty Campbell in, in the Elite Eight. Uh, McMichael advancing, as we predicted, I think about 68% of the vote here, and uh, another easy victory for Psycho. Well, you're absolutely right. It was Boston and Orlando, as I'm watching now. Rory with the first couple blows. Paulie gets him back with a few big ones. Oh, it's a Rory's good fight. Still swinging. This one goes long. Yeah, it's a good fight. They are still swinging, getting gassed out here. Paulie's got the hair flying. seconds in. Yeah, Paulie's got the hair just flying around. And I think that was like Rory's prime right there. Well, yeah, that's back in baby Smith, baby face Rory Smith days. Yeah, good scrap. Check bellies, it, yeah. Bellies in the summertime and, and doing that in the in the winter so there you go check that out on youtube uh they're still going I, <laughs> we'll see if uh that influences your vote uh that will be next week though for for episode 98 uh we'll be posting those two fights up but uh we got two more fights coming up in quarter four actually i think it'll be overtime for who you got because we got two guests this week but two more fights coming up uh
off the Elite Eight, and, and I mentioned them last week. So I'll save it for overtime here on Lax Class. Thanks for joining us on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. You got anything else you want to get in? Maybe a, a little draft talk as we lead up to Thursday here, Bradley. And, and still, I really I have no clue what Rochester's going to do at two. No, and no one does. We, and we kind of beat this around last week. And I, I haven't spoken to anybody this week that even talking to some people in the Vancouver camp, like they have no rumblings. They don't know any direction where where Rochester is going to go with this pick, really keeping things open. Stamper, uh, I think he went on record on NLL.com this week with Devin Caney, and he thinks Ryan they're going Ryan Smith. That's what I think, Which too. leaves, as mentioned, those two BC boys sitting there at three for Vancouver, Bowering and LeClaire. That will likely be the way that I see it shaking down. And then uh, a, a not, or a kind of an MVL position for Vancouver, because either way they're going to get a great cornerstone. But is it going to be out of the back gate. Now what do for they want? Decades to come or is it going to be out of the out of the offense? Yeah, what do they want, right? That's well, that's the need, question. They need both. Yeah. They need both. That's and that's so, I mean that's not a bad problem to have, right? The fact that you do need both, you're not going to be unhappy regardless of who's sitting there at three. Like I I don't know, like maybe Rochester takes Bowering, maybe they take Henrik if they want to go back in, right? So it's it all depends on the Rochester Nighthawks and what they do at two. It's really going to dictate how the rest of that first round goes. We'll find out Thursday night. Can't wait! You can check it out on BR Live Facebook, YouTube. Starts at four p.m. Pacific time, seven p.m. Eastern time. Uh, get a pot of coffee on if you recall, Bradley. What did last year's draft take? Like, uh, I want to say like six hours or something like that. <laughs> it was long. It was a, yeah, it was a long night. It was a really long night. And we've got six rounds, 93 picks this year. Uh, we'll talk about it later, but an extra long mm-hmm. second round, which some people like and some people absolutely hate. Uh, I think I might be in the, in the latter camp there. A few extra picks at the end of the first round. Like, yeah, these, these compensatory picks – are making the first couple rounds a little too lengthy and then stretching out the whole night. Yeah, and and I mean, uh, and it's going to be extra interesting this year because not everybody is sitting in a big room together doing this, right? Like you can't walk across the the foyer and and go swing a deal with another team. It's happening virtually, and then of course it's going to be like. You know, you better be a good texter or or whatever if if you're trying to make something happen on on the cell phone while your your picks coming up on the clock. And I know like teams are going to be kind of gathering in hotel rooms and stuff and getting set up like a, a bit of a war room. And and this is going to be interesting to to kind of see how the virtual side of things plays out. Yeah, it's going to be a technical feat and a nice case study going forward. You know, like do the do they text the picks to? to commish and does he have to trust that that text is actually coming from Dan Richardson and not, you know, <laughs> his cousin Rick who's just trying to mess with them or something. Like there's a lot of things that make, make this go side. Cousin so, Rick you know, would never do that. Cousin, <laughs> cousin Rick. That's the, exactly the type of thing. Cousin Rick would pull. Oh man. Uh, so yeah, that, that's going to be fun though. Watching Teddy and Stamper and Devin and, and the crew and, and, and uh, don't and forget Tabitha in there as well, Bradley. Yeah. Tabitha sort of navigating the evening. Cause there's going to be a lot of, jumping back and forth to, to, to interview people. So, you know, we're, we're a couple bad internet connections away from, uh, 
from having an extra long night, but I hope the best, and it's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, and if uh, if I trust anybody to, to pull it off and get the job done and have it run uh, as good as expected, Joe Feld, our boss at, at NLL Productions will uh, will be making that all happen, and it's I know it's been a huge, massive undertaking for him and his his crew to to get this set up and pull it off. And and you're right, I can't wait to see it all roll out Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Be our live YouTube, Facebook, uh, you name it, you'll be able to watch it. Can't wait. Uh, speaking of can't wait, I can't wait to get to our next guest. So we're going to take a break here on episode 97 of Lacrosse Classified and get the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, Nick Myers, joins us next. Keep it right here, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Jason Noble from the Toronto Rock. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lax Class, episode number 97. Into the second quarter we go, but not before I tell you about our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging. Right here in my hometown of Coquitlam, British Columbia, AssociatedLP.com or at AssociatedLP, as in labels and packaging. Focusing on people, ethics, quality, and of course, family-owned Best in the business when it comes to labels and packaging and the environment. Always in mind at Associated LP. And man, we are living in some kind of environment here in 2020. So that ties in nicely. Now joining the program, rejoining the program, one of our favorite guests to talk to here on Lacrosse Classified. It's the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes and Nick Myers, uh, also U19 Team USA head coach. I should mention that as well. Nick, uh, welcome back to the program. Thanks for doing this. How's everything going down in, in Columbus? Yeah. Well, Jake, thanks for having me. Uh, I love being on. You guys do a great job and uh, certainly getting real excited about the upcoming draft. Um, you know, we're doing great. You know, we're uh, we're grateful for what we have, uh, not what we don't, you know. And I think right now we're, we're in a situation where we have our team in the same zip code. Uh, we're all together. You know, it's been a long off season, as you, you can imagine, but we got a hungry group. They're training hard, and uh, we're excited about what uh, what lies ahead. Nick, you guys were super innovative a couple of years ago building that uh, indoor practice facility. I know the weather gets a little crazy there, but a lot of that to do with getting the guys inside in closer confines and playing well into hands of uh, all the Canadians you like to bring down there to Ohio and uh, you know in- implement that box game into your system. Uh, how much is that still a big part of your guys' practicing and, and, and drawing up plays and stuff like that? Yeah, I appreciate you asking. It's been great to see the explosion of box, certainly here in central Ohio. And, you know, i got to credit guys like Anthony Kelly, Greg Bice, those guys over Resolute. Um, they've done a great job on, on every level, the youth level all the way through the high school. And, yeah, we've enjoyed our fair amount of box, Buckeyes in the box, we like to call it. But, uh, yeah, that, that little space, the Buckeye Dojo, we'll go over there and, and uh, we'll get after it pretty good. You know, the guys love it. It's a great thing to do in the off offseason. Uh, we'll make it pretty competitive. And uh, as you said, yeah, we're very Canadian friendly, always have been. And, uh, you know, I think for those guys to have an opportunity to, 
you know, to, to share the game. I mean, I, I highlight for me was we scrimmaged uh, Team USA over there. Uh, I guess that was about a year ago, and uh, it was great. You know, just training with those guys, getting in the drills with those guys, you know, getting our Canadian guys with them. And um, so we you know we've been really fortunate. It's nice to have that facility so accessible. Uh, they're doing a summer league now. So this is, a, I think, the third summer where we've had box uh, offered to to that college age group that junior age, if you will. Yeah. And I think that's been really, really great to see as well, getting more guys playing kind of in the off season. The Buckeye Dojo, Nick Myers. Tell me about the Buckeye Dojo. Where did, where did this handle come from? Have you been watching Cobra Kai on <laughs> Netflix, or what's going on? <laughs> well, I, I knew you and I would share a particular, uh, you know, uh, similar interest, Jake, in, in a good old-fashioned karate kid movie. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> so good. It's a, it's a, it's a gem. It's amazing that you get on a bus nowadays and you throw out a, a, a classic like that and only a handful of kids have seen it. Yeah. It's just a shame, really. But, you know, the uh, the dojo, yeah, I kind of like it. It's off campus. You know, it's a little bit more under the radar. Uh, we like to say that, you know, this is where you separate the men from the boys a little bit okay. and uh, get in there and, and mix it up. I like it. I like it. Well, obviously it's been a different year here, and you mentioned you got everybody in the same area code, but – you know, I've been talking with uh, some college guys around and, and saying everything's kind of online right now. They're not really, you know, on campus and, and moving around. What What's the situation for Ohio State and, and in particular your guys uh, as far as classes and, and workouts and practices and all that stuff? How's it all working down there? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I think it's a little different depending on the university, certainly the state. We got great leadership, uh, starting with our athletic director and president, but you know, we're making sure uh, players' health and safety is, is paramount. So, you know, right now uh, we're here on campus. It's probably about 70% of the classes are online, 30% in person. Uh, obviously taking all the safety measures in terms of wearing masks, a lot of testing. But, um, you know, we're, we're easing back into it. You know, we're hopeful that we'll be able to get into some lacrosse here uh, training before, uh, before the, the, the fall is over. Uh, but, you know, again, it's just kind of a one-day-at-a-time approach, you know, and I think that we've been we've been really pleased with the effort we've gotten from our guys thus far. You know, a big part of that is, is, is certainly the guys that we're going to talk about, you know, having guys like Ryan Tarafenko, Jeff Hendrick, and Trey LeClaire come back. You know, really since this thing broke back in April, they, they've been leading us, you know, and, and having veteran guys like that in a time like this is, is something you certainly don't take for granted as a coach. So i got to credit those guys. They've, they've done an unbelievable job all summer with the group me and the workouts really leading this ball club. Yeah, coach, uh, NLL draft is Thursday night and you kind of mentioned off the air, uh, humbly eight first round draft picks out of the Ohio state since 2007, I believe potential for or definitely probably going to be two more, uh, this year with Henrik and Leclerc and Tarafenko could be a steal at some point. You know, I want to get into the, all those guys individually, but you mentioned that fifth year, all those guys coming back, um, what is that going to mean, not only for your club, but for their development? Like, how much scarier are those guys going to be coming out of the NCAA at 23, <laughs> yeah, like, 24 years Trey's old? Trey's a man already. Like it. <laughs> Jake can't help himself. He's got a little crush on Trey. Well, hey. I like that. <laughs> I mean, don't you? I think <laughs> you might as well. <laughs> Listen, I'll keep him as long as he can stay. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> he's, he's, he's four goals shy of being our all-time leading goal scorer. I think he's going to get and, there. Uh, I think he's going to get there. He's got, he's got a shot at it. I'll tell you what. We'll see. Week one. But, um, no, you, you know, you, you, you said it, man. Those guys are just – they're – they're special, you know, and, and this is a unique year. You know, obviously we're all hopeful that we can have as as normal, if you will, a college across season as possible. But th- 
it's loaded. I mean, you look at this draft class and you look at the amount of talent, not just at Ohio State, but across the NCAA lacrosse, you know, that's back. Um, it, it's going to be an unbelievable year of, of NCAA lacrosse. And, you know, we're, we're obviously very confident, but we're humbled by the, the schedule and the, and the conference that we play in, uh, knowing what, what, whatever, what, what, else, what else is out there. I do want to say this, Brad, you mentioned that, that, that Tara Finkel could be a steal. I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind all right, he's going to get drafted, and I, I, I believe, you know, I'm, just, I'm biased, but he's, he's going to play in the NFL, and I, I believe he's going to be an impact player. Give me, a, give me a breakdown on him, Nick. Tell me, tell me what makes him a special player. Yeah, well, yeah, listen, I just think this, man. Again, I, you know, Jake, I've been watching a lot of box over the years, and yeah. to me, you know, there's only there's certain things you look for in the Americans that, that make the transition, and he's just got this rare motor, um, and, and his ability. He's great in the pick game. You know, he's not an offensive guy, defensive guy. I see him exploding up the floor. He's going to be great in transition. I think he's going to be great defensively. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's gritty. He's nails. He's coachable. He wants to be a coach. Um, you know, he just kind of goes about his business. He's going to be a guy that's going to go into a camp and be a sponge and learn. But he's going to bring speed to a lineup. I mean, he's different. And I just think somebody's going to pick him up and be be really happy with it, you know, whatever wherever he lands. I've talked to several GMs about him. Uh Again, I just think he's a home run pick. And Trey LeClaire, obviously uh, one of the top, if not the top, right-handed offensive player coming into this draft, Coach. Um, We know a lot about Trey. We've been watching him. Heck, he came on the scene here when he was about 16 years old. We all started focusing on on Trey LeClaire, and he's just gotten, uh, you know, consistently better ever since. But, you know, what can you tell us about Trey that maybe we don't know that that'll that'll set him apart at the top of this board? Yeah. Well, you know, he's, he's the first in his family to get a university degree. He comes from a great, great people. His mom and dad are amazing. Full of brothers. He's going to get his master's degree here at the Ohio State University. So I think that's pretty special. Um, you know, it just shows shows you how you know serious Trey is about his academics. And uh, you know, listen, I, I just think Trey's a worker. He, he's come back every year and and gotten better and better. This last year, he was having the best year of his career. You know, you love to see a player that that, you know, comes in and scores 50 goals as a freshman. But then, you know, each year after that just improves. You know, physically, he's he's as advertised. I mean, he's, he's you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a beast in the weight room. I mean, one of the pound-for-pound strongest guys on our team. Um, you know, he's quiet. So he's going to come in a locker room. He's, he's, he's a wee guy. Uh, he's going to go about his business. He's going to be low-maintenance. And, and he's going to throw the ball in the back of the net a whole lot for somebody. The thing that's been talked about uh, up here in the lower mainland, especially since because we've seen him play for so long, Coach, is that, you know, he's got to the playoffs with the New Westminster Sound Bellies. They haven't succeeded. His numbers have kind of stayed the same in the postseason. But the kid gets a lot of attention. And I know he joins the club after a grueling season with you guys. But, you know, ha- have you heard those kind of knocks on Trey? And, and how, what would your response to that be? Time will tell, my friend. Time will tell. <laughs> no, it's not. You're not talking me out of that, you know. If somebody passes on Trey, they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to, you know, answer to their own or why they didn't draft Trey Leclaire. You know, I mean, to me, he, he, he's there's a better pick out there. I'd like to see it. I, he's my number one pick. I know there's some great guys in this draft, certainly, but um, you know, I've coached some great Canadians over the year. He's a big time player. He's 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 NLL ready right now. 
Um, and I think with the right people around him, he's going to be a monster in that like for years to come. Speaking with the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, Nick Myers here on Lax Class, and, and Brad and I were talking off the top that with, with having you and, and Drew on the program today that you're going to give us a, a, you know, a bit of a, an in-depth scout here on, on some of these top picks, guys, you know, three out of the top five guys uh, between the two schools here. How many, how many GMs do you talk to leading up to the draft? Has every single one contacted you about Henrik and LeClaire? Uh, you know, listen, I don't want to, I don't, I want to make sure those are, those are confidential. I got a Fair lot enough. of respect Fair for, the, for the, yeah. the league. The league is, uh, is done so well, you know, and guys like yourselves are a big reason why it's just, it's made up of the right people. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan. You know, I, I watch a ton of games. My boys and I were, we're constantly logging on. So I'll, I'll be, continue to be the case, but yeah, I, I love this time of year. You know, it's been fun. I was talking to a guy today that, that I love, uh, out of Peterborough, Tracy, uh, and you know he's one of my favorites, but you know I'll drop his name. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Just because he's a Burrow boy. But, just you know, had a birthday, TK, I believe. Yeah, that's right, TK. Yeah, he's yeah. It's what it's all about. Guys like that, you know, that just are the, the heart and soul of the league that have grinded in it for years and now are back coaching. I, I just love to see that, and it's just a league that's that's got you know it's made up a, a ton of great people. So you know each organization kind of has kind of created their own identity you know i think that's kind of unique jack and you probably agree and yeah. as you look at each team the way they've kind of you know found their identity and, and, and starting to see more americans sprinkle in the different teams i think is a good thing i think this draft is another example you look at a guy like mac o'keefe uh who i coached uh, with team usa you know he's a guy that i think is another american that, that's going to be able to play on the offensive end you know you just don't see a ton of that a guy like kevin buchanan who just retired, who played for years, who played for us here at Ohio State. Uh, I'm excited to see more Americans, you know, looking up to guys like that to say, yeah, you know, I, I can do it. Certainly a guy like Schreiber is, is kind of set, set the edge there. But, you know, I'm, I'm hoping there's more to come. And we haven't talked about Henrik yet, but, you know, geez, man, I, I think he's another one that's going to be uh, a big-time player, you know, different than LeClaire, certainly. But, in my opinion, could be every bit as impactful. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that uh, we want to talk to you and ask you about, Nick. And, and you just mentioned Mac O'Keefe and, and you coaching him. And my goodness, uh, that might be the greatest lacrosse game I've ever announced, that U19 gold medal game. Never will forget that one. Um, but with with guys like Mac and Sowers and Amen, like these guys are coming into the draft. They are freakish athletes and so good at – the sport of lacrosse but how does that translate into the box for you with these guys i know max got a little junior a experience but these guys are so good they can just make they'll they'll adapt and make that transition we'll see you know like i said i, I want to be careful speaking about you know guys i haven't had the privilege of coaching uh i, I coached michael briefly with team usa you know mike was an incredible player for us obviously he's, he's got an opportunity this spring to play with uh with duke and be a different look for him I, I will say this, Mac. Mac's built for that league. You know, I, I I'm confident there. You know, I, I I don't think I'm going on a limb to say that Mac can come in and, and you know put 15 or 20 goals on the board as a rookie easily. You know, the other guys are are, are more field players. You know, yeah. so again, I, I I don't know. You know, again, that's just my my opinion. I don't want to speak on other guys' guys. Sure, no, that's uh, fair. Incredible players. You know, Grant and, and Michael are. You know, geez, they're probably the two most explosive and dynamic attacking possibly in the world right now, you know, in terms of their ability to break down a guy and feed, but you know, how they operate in the two man game, how they operate, you know, cut in the middle, how they operate. Uh, neither guy is, is a big guy. Um, you know, so we'll see how that translates. You know, like I said, Max, Max unique, you know, he's, he's slick. 
Uh, he, he's just got such a good feel. His release, uh, his, his style of play. To me, he's the one I look at and say, man, he, he could really be impactful. I know he's got a fair amount of box experience. But I, I, like, I look for him to be of those three you mentioned, probably the most impactful offensively. Let's go back to another one of your guys coaching, uh, Jeff Hanrick, probably the top pure defender heading into this, uh, this draft on Thursday night. A lot of people talking about his leadership ability. Um, you know, what can you tell us about uh, Jeff Hanrick? Yeah, I don't think there's any probably about it. He is the number one defensive pick in the draft. Um, you know, he's a three-time captain for us, so I, mean, I think that should speak to his leadership ability. You know, he goes about it with, uh, you know, just a, a quiet confidence. You know, he's not a big uh, yeller. You know, I think he's as respected as any guy in our locker room. Both him and Terrafanko are, are just beats when it, when it comes to, you know, kind of modeling what we refer to as the Buckeye way. But, uh, you know, he's nails, man. I mean, he's, he's as tough as they come. Uh, he, he's gritty. You know, he's going to get in there and, you know, he's going to do everything he can to, to bring value to, to whatever team takes a chance on him. You know, that's just that's just who he is. Uh, his mom is, is incredible. Uh, he's come from a great family. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I can't say enough about Jeff. He's just he, he's, he's, he's NLL ready. I mean, he's ready for this. He's waited a long time. You know, I know these guys got their hearts set on, on going after a championship this spring with the Buckeyes, but. You know, these guys are excited. They, they know where the league's at. It's in a great place. And, and all three of these guys, I think, are going to have the opportunity to be pretty impactful. Ryan Tarafanko, Jeff Hendrick, Trey LeClaire, all from the Ohio State heading into the NLL draft on Thursday night, uh, all coached by this man right here, Nick Myers. Nick, uh, today, when he gets that when he gets that record, he's going to pass He's going to pass Logan Schuss to get there. Oh, no. I know Logan's, uh, Logan's brought you up here to BC a couple times, Coach. Uh, Granny is not going to be happy. And, he is not. But, uh, <laughs> give us a Logan Shuss story before we depart here. Oh, well, I got a text from Shuss yesterday. He's out there with the Eagle on the boat for his birthday. Had his Buckeye sweatshirt on. Got a nice picture. So shout out to, to, to Dad. Um, talk about uh, some of the best people I've ever met. You know, they uh, the, the Shuss family is incredible. You know, and, and Logan, he was my first recruiting class. Um Jeez, man, I'm not sure I'd be even even have a job today without guys like Logan. I mean, he, he came in, took a chance on me, and uh, you know, geez, just uh, I, I can't say enough. You know, and I think that what I would say about Logan is just the way he has continued to, as an alum, you know, steward the next wave. You know, he's a guy that called me about Trey. I remember the text when I got it and said, "Hey, coach, we got a guy up here. You got to come see." And um, you know, he just he, he loves Vancouver. You know, he loves where he came from, and and he loves giving back to the game. He loves coaching. Uh, he's one of the most positive guys I've ever been around. And, uh, you know, I just, like I said, Logan's a Buckeye. I mean, he, he is what we are all about here. So, you know, it, it's only fitting that, you know, you think about a guy like Gary Binning, another incredible Buckeye who, who probably brought, you know, probably was the reason why Logan came here. And then, yeah. you know, Logan, you know, kind of did the same for Trey. So we've been really fortunate, you know, especially out in Vancouver in the BC area. We call them BC Buckeyes. Uh, long tradition of Buckeyes from that area, and uh, we certainly hope it continues. Man, Logan, Logan's not going to be able to get his helmet over his head after that. Now. <laughs> I got pumped that tire, Jake. There you so go. Keep him humble. For All me. right, you got it, uh, Nick. Always appreciate your time. Best of luck with uh, with your Buckeyes going into the spring and, and the season. We'll be watching and keeping tabs, and uh, hopefully we can catch up again soon. Yes, sir. Take care, guys. See you. Thanks, Coach. That was head coach of the Ohio State, Brad. And if you didn't understand why he is one of our favorite conversations, I think after that 17 minutes and change, you do now.
Well, just the way that he, he can break down a man and not just his ability on the field, but what he brings to a locker room, most importantly. Like every one of those players, you talked about how they are in the room. And, you know, when a coach is, is trying to pick between the top best defensive player in the draft or the top offensive righty in the draft, what are some of those intangibles? You know you're going to get a fantastic lacrosse player, but what kind of man are you going to bring into your culture, into your organization? And he he nails that uh so so succinctly it's yeah great, it's great to hear and and you know i tried to lead him down a, a couple of paths and he's just too smart Brad. like he's like oh you know what i'm not i'm not going to speak to that and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know he kind of steered away from from how many gms have contacted him and and i respect it like but uh, you know like i was still gonna try and i and i like he's so smart man like so well, so smart that question that debate that you and i were having last week about vancouver not being able to afford getting bit in the ass if they make the wrong pick mm. you know that's kind of what he was alluding to there with trey like you can you can pass on trey if you're vancouver but yeah. then he's going to go to san diego and he's going to torture you for a hat trick every time you play uh you know for the next five years you can say the same thing about Bowring though too he can go to slip to san diego or calgary but he's going to captain that team in in five or ten yeah. years and it's going to come back to haunt you so very interesting stuff heading into Thursday night, man. I can't wait. Me either. Uh, oh, by the way, three nothing on on the good questions now. You hear that? Great question right off the top there, Bradley. Three nothing now uh, in that department. I hope you got your spreadsheet out and are keeping score of that break I'm gonna time. Have to, I'm gonna have to butter up Andrew McMinn here. Uh, d- <laughs> Climb back into the call. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, break time on episode 97. We're back with the head coach of Robert Morris University, the Colonials, Drew McMinn, coming up here next. Keep it right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Hey, this is Joan Ardella from the New England Black Wolves. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lax Class, episode number 97, into the third quarter. I don't think this man knew this, but we just had Coach Myers on from the Ohio State University. And now about to talk to another head coach of a men's field lacrosse program. His name is Drew McMinn, and he is the head coach of Robert Morris University, a university that has produced more NLL pros than I think any other school in America or on the planet for that matter. Drew McMahon on the program for the first time. Welcome to Lax Class, Drew. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Just, Sorry, brother. Go ahead. Just, just Yeah, just for the record there, Coach Myers just on uh, nine rostered players in the National Lacrosse League last season from the Ohio State. RMU 11 to lead all schools. So, uh Congrats there, Drew. And I know that RMU has been a real factory for for bringing Canadians down to play uh, NCAA Div 1 field across down there. And large contingent from British Columbia over the years here where, where Jake and I both reside. But I'm always curious to where that starts. Like, were you around for the first wave of Canadians to RMU? Like, who were those guys and, and why did they decide to, to come there? Yeah, so early on, I mean, I've been with Robert Morris since the second year of the program. Um, Bear Davis was the inaugural head coach back in 2004, 2005, and um, I came on staff in 05, 06 as an assistant. And um, Bear had already, Coach Davis had already gotten some, you know, Canadians in the first recruiting class. We had a couple, you know, we felt like were pretty big steals early on. 
Um, our coach brought in the, the three original ones that we had that all ended up playing in the NLL from our first ever class were Andrew Watt, oh, yes. um, Michael what? Fleming. Michael Fleming and uh, Michael Fleming just played a little bit in the NLL, but had a, had a short stint. And then uh, we had Matt, or I'm sorry, uh, Jeff Gilbert Jeff as well. Jeff Gilbert, yes, um, indeed, yeah. Yeah, so, and he actually played, when he was down at Robert Morris, he actually split between hockey and lacrosse and then ended up going the hockey route the rest of the way. And then, you know, was able to still, still find a way to pick up where he left off and go into the NLL after graduating. So, um, but yeah, we had, we had those guys early through coach Davis and, you know, really just felt like with our proximity to Ontario to begin with, you know, it just made sense for us to, you know, to go up north and certainly kind of tap into an area that, you know, we felt was under-recruited with the amount of talent. And, you know, the more we kind of branded ourselves, so to speak, up in Ontario, we felt like, you know, hey, there's obviously a heck of a lot of talent out west as well. And, um, you know, originally it was more so just through some relationships with guys out west with Jeff Snyder and, and running some of the club programs with Elevate and, you know, Burnaby Mountain, some of those other ones. And, you know, we were able to see some of those guys at tournaments over the years and um, the Claremont School as well. And then, you know, I, I kind of selfishly, you guys live in a, a pretty nice part of the world here. So um, <laughs> I, I originally went out, I got invited to the BC's Best event right. out on uh, Vancouver Island. And, you know, originally I was thinking, hey, this will just be a great trip, whether I find a talented kid to play or not. And then, <laughs> you know, got got a couple guys in the first time out there. And then we've kind of kept going back ever since. And, you know, continued that pipeline with those guys out west too. So, yeah, it's it's been quite the pipeline, Drew. I mean, you're talking Tyler Digby, you're talking James Ray, and and I like what is it about the Canucks and and whether it be Ontario or BC, what is it that that catches your eye and and suits your fancy as far as what kind of players you want to bring to play for the Colonials? Yeah, I mean. It- there's plenty of characteristics. I mean, you know, of course the stick work, you know, I mean, for us, I mean, we push a lot of transition at Robert Morris and really pride ourselves in just high level unselfish ball movement. And, you know, to do so, obviously you need the skill set, And then additionally, just the, the IQ and, you know, just the, the background of, of playing box lacrosse, I mean, is so well suited for those attributes. I mean, as far as having a good stick, of course, and then, you know, additionally just being used to, you know, operating on a 32nd clock, you know, where decision-making is made that much quicker and, um, you know, it just, again, suits, suits the style that we like to play for the guys that, you know, that have that box background. And, you know, in addition to that, I mean, even, even just kind of mentality, I mean, we find with a lot of Canadians, I mean, you know, they play so many games in the summer, they're constantly playing the game, their sticks never out of their hands. And, you know, with the, the philosophies that we have at Robert Morris, I mean, we're all, you know, as a smaller school, we always kind of talk about making sure that we have that chip on our shoulder and, you know, have the mentality that we don't really care who we play. And, you know, that's something that we found with a lot of Canadians over the years. They don't care (laughs) (laughs) for some kids growing up in the States. They'll look at an Ohio state or one of those schools. It's like, Oh wow. That's a you know, that's a really big school. And, you know, must have like an intimidation factor there where half the time we bring down Canadians and they're like, where's Ohio state. Yeah. (laughs) Or or they're kind of, they're maybe a little bit happier being on a smaller campus at a smaller school. I mean, for a kid that's especially coming from BC flying across the continent to, to go somewhere that they've never been before and start a, a, career in university and play that's like a, a pretty daunting thing for for some guys to do that i think maybe a, a smaller school might be enticing to them yeah absolutely i mean i think most kids find that when when they do come in and visit and um you know for us we've always had a, a very high success rate of once we get guys to campus that they see what the school is and you know what we have to offer and and you know get familiar with the program and the guys that we have and I feel like once we kind of get people to go through that experience, there is that, you know, comfortability. And, 
you know, being a little bit of a smaller school, I mean, you know, you do have a little bit more of a personal feel when you're away, away from home. And I think too, I mean, we have a very good culture with just bringing guys in from all over the place where, you know, when we have guys come in from Canada, I mean, you know, I think there's comfortability in the fact that one, there's people from all over that are on our roster, but then two, they have some other Canadians that they're familiar with from back home that, you know, just kind of makes it that much easier of a transition overall. Yeah. And, and if, you know, I could ask Drew, and, and I'm sure you know you, you're coming out like you mentioned to BC's best and checking out some some tournaments and stuff in, in, during recruiting season. And and I would think that recommendations from former players would would help you in that regard as well. But maybe for a kid here that's listening to the podcast, whether no matter where he is in the states or in Canada, if he's looking to to get a Div 1 scholarship and, and get recruited, what type of things are you looking for and what type of things should they be doing to get on the radar? Yeah, I mean, basically just any exposure that you can that you can possibly get. You know, I mean, whether it's film, I mean, a lot of times from guys farther away, I mean, you know, we've had to depend a little bit more on film. And of course, with everything going on the, with the pandemic right now, I mean, yeah. film's become that, that much more prevalent in recruiting. Um, you know, so, I mean, that, that's always kind of the easiest one if you can't, cause of course it's, you know, it's time and money to, you know, especially travel across the continent when you're coming from out West or you know, even anywhere else. I mean, just the cost of everything can be challenging for a lot of people. And, um, you know, the film's kind of the easy one, but then if you can get the live events, I mean, that's always, you know, huge where college coaches are actually going to be in attendance to be able to see you play. And, yeah. and we just always make sure that we're telling kids, you know, give us those schedules as accurately and as detailed as you can so that we can do our best to make sure that we're able to show up and, and see you play live. And, you know, in addition to that, like anything in life, I mean, the, the character side, the attitude side, I mean, you know, we certainly put a lot of weight and, you know, kind of the intangibles, so to speak, that guys will bring or display, you know, off the field. And you know, a lot of that too is of course, by, you know, going through other resources and coaches and, you know, just kind of figuring out what, what coaches have to say about guys. And of course, going through people that we have a lot of trust in that we've had relationships with over the years. So, um, you know, on that side, more of the obvious ones of just, you know, being a, being a good person and citizen first and foremost, yeah. and having a good attitude and work ethic. And then, you know, on the exposure side, like I said, I mean, literally as simple as just always emailing and updating with any film that you have or any, you know, any potential tournaments or, or events that you're able to play in. Long history of big body, right-handed kind of power forwards out of RMU. Uh, coach Tyler <laughs> yeah. Bigby, Tyson Gibson, James Ray, Kyle Matisse, can sense a bit of a trend there, and Ryan Smith, sort of the next wave of that, a guy that uh, we're looking at a top two, three, four pick in the, in the draft here on Thursday night. What about him in the locker room? We know what he does on the floor, but what are the intangibles that, that Ryan Smith will bring to an NLL club? Yeah, he's just a tremendous leader. I mean, he's somebody that works, you know, his tail off every single day. I mean, you know, leads by example of and, and everything that he does and, you know, really just even keeled. I mean, you get the same exact Ryan Smith every day, you know, and again, kind of speaking back to the point of, you know, kids not really caring about what the situation is. They're just so used to playing. They just strap up and play whatever, you know, whatever scenarios in front of them. And Ryan really embodies that. I mean, he just, you, you know exactly what you're getting with him. It doesn't matter whether it's the first day of practice or, you know, whether it's quote on, you know, quote unquote, the biggest game you're going to play in. I mean, you're going to get the same Ryan Smith and, you know, he brings that he's, you know, for, for such a big boy, he's kind of a, you know, a soft spoken leader almost. Um, you know, he's by no means, you know, somebody that ever kind of oversteps his, his boundaries with anything with his leadership. He just leads by example. And, you know, when he speaks, guys listen. And, you know, as a teammate, he's, you know, really everything you can ask for. I mean, because, again, when you have that consistency with somebody, I mean, 
that's when you can obviously depend on them and trust them. And you know what you're getting, you know, on the floor, on the field or, or off. So, you know, really just somebody that's extremely consistent and, and really a heck of a leader. And, and how about on, on the floor, on the field as well, Ryan, you know, we know he's got those silky smooth mitts inside. He can get inside. He's got a wicked outside shot and, and got a great feeding ability too. But you know, what makes him such a standout player uh, on the field for you guys? Yeah. I mean, you named a lot of it there. I mean, he's, you know, I think the the first thing people kind of realize is his size, you know, I mean, that's, that's the obvious thing. I mean, he's got a physical game and, you know, he, he can really just bring that kind of, you know, presence, you know, whether he's got the ball in his stick or whether he's playing off the ball. And, um, you know, that's, that's the thing that jumps off the page, but the more you watch him, you just realize there's so many subtleties in his game that he just does at a very high level. I mean, his vision, his IQ, I mean, like you said, he's, you know, got the feeding ability. I mean, people always kind of look at the fact that, you know, again, he's a big guy that can just pretty much run through people and get to the net whenever he wants to. But I mean, sometimes you have to realize that he is as big as he is because he, he does just have that smooth, you know, attribute with his stick and, you know, just as, you know, his feeding ability. I mean, he'll pull off some passes in practice at times that, you know, I mean, he'll throw behind the back to somebody 14 yards across the field and you know, you're, no, nobody saw it coming. And, you know, just puts it, you know, put it right on the stick. I mean, he just does, does pretty much everything. And, you know, even, even just in his defensive game, I mean, when he, you know, what we refer to as the riding game and field the cross, I mean, you know, he'll just, he'll, he'll work his tail off in those areas as well. Ground balls. I mean, you look at every year, I mean, that's kind of a, an unnoticed stat for him, but I mean, he's probably let our attack then, you know, attack when are pretty much normally at the lower end of the totem pool with ground ball play. And, um, you know, at least statistically speaking, and, and Ryan's pretty much led us every single year there as well. So, um, you know, he really, again, he has the obvious stuff that jumps off the page, but the more and more you watch him, you're, you're almost sitting there just like, what's missing? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's really just able to do it all. Here with head coach of RMU Colonials, Drew McMahon, and let's flip it to the other side of the field and, and uh, a left-hander out of our neck of the woods in Victoria, British Columbia, and Brad McCulley, who's also projected to, to be maybe a late first-rounder, but a, a, a high pick nonetheless. Uh, tell me about Brad McCulley and, and why you like his game. Yeah, I mean, you know, similar stuff from a leadership standpoint. I mean, Ryan and Brad were both our captains last year. So, um, you know, speaks speaks to themselves on what they can do there from the leadership standpoint and in the locker room. And Brad's another guy. I mean, you just know exactly what you're going to get out of him. You know, and ex- extremely mature. I mean, you know, I know just, you know, even when he showed up on campus as a freshman, he was a little bit older. You know, he'd taken a gap year before coming in and, you know, we kind of always joked. I even told him on his visit, I was like, Brad, I mean, you came in and I, I almost would have think I, I almost would have thought you were recruiting me. He had a coffee in hand as a you know 19 year old. And he was, <laughs> he was asking pipe. me, yeah. smoking jacket. Yeah, yeah, uh, asking, yeah. yeah. He's asking me more questions than I was asking him. Oh, that's fantastic. I was like, wow, from a company, you know, from just recruits coming in normally and have a little bit, you know, nerves and yeah, yeah, yeah. not normally being able to, you know, to kind of be themselves, so to speak, Brad was extremely comfortable and, you know, you just, you realize the more you get to know him, that's just who he is. I mean, you know, very personable and, you know, again, just a great teammate across the board in the locker room. And as far as what you get on the floor, I mean, you know, his, his stick work, his shooting, I mean, he's kind of just that prototypical lefty that, you know, can score in a lot of different ways. I mean, again, he'll, he'll get through traffic, but he can certainly pull it from the outside and put the ball where he wants to as well. So, and he's another one. I mean, those two guys, like I said, were our captains for a reason. I mean, their, their work ethics unparalleled for both of them. Bradley, uh, I will go again here. And and 15 years at 
Robert Morris now and Purdue. I don't know what even the number is, how many NLLers you've produced, but I know like when I, when I got in contact with you, I got your number through James Ray and he said, Oh, I'm actually texting with coach McMinn right now. So I guess my question is over the 15 years and all these guys, are you still keeping tabs on, on most of them and, and watching them uh, while they're playing professional lacrosse? And what, what's the relationship like with, with some of your former players? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially, I mean, that's why I love being able to, you know, to travel up North to be able to recruit. I mean, every time I go, I'm, I'm meeting with former players. I mean, I'm, I'm finding a way to, to make sure I can get together with some of our alumni and, you know, at the NLL games, of course, some of them conflict with our season, but, you know, typically try my best to get to a couple games out of the year, just to be able to go see those guys play live. And, um, you know, for, for me, I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, the relationships of course are everything through doing this and, you know, all those guys, I mean, they, they, you know, put in their time and work for us where, you know, we feel indebted to them, you know, all time moving forward. So, um, you know, certainly just do our best to, to get up with those guys when we can, obviously being a little farther away. But like I said, that's what those recruiting events help with is, you know, kind of giving us a reason to get up there and then be able to see some guys that we otherwise might not be able to see for a while. You know, I think that teams in a lot of sports, they, they take on the personality of the coach. And I'm, I'm kind of sensing – a vibe here coach i know that the list of alumni that you have there's a lot of just you know good citizens uh you know guys that are play a pretty clean game the national lacrosse league you don't have a lot of guys on on the list of rmu alums that are that are in the league and running their mouths they are or they're good teammates is that sort of the culture that you've you've built at, at rmu if you could paint us the culture there yeah i mean it, you know not the you know, credit us for that. I think if anything, the credit's more so just in, in being almost lucky of finding really good people. <laughs> I mean, we, we do our best in the recruiting well, hang process. On, Dre. Really... I mean, you, you find, you find a couple that's lucky, but when you're churning out the amount that you guys, I, I think that goes a little further than luck. No, I, I appreciate that. I mean, we certainly do our best to instill a culture where, you know, it is more of a team first mentality and, you know, the work ethic's certainly always a, a big part of that. And, you know, I think I think some Canadians, being honest, not to take a hit on them when they come to us, they're a little bit. You know, it takes them a while to adjust with not not trash talking because it's just not something that we really like to do in our program. And they're like, "Wait a second, what are you talking about? I mean, this is what we do all summer." <laughs> so, so Matt, Matt Goddard uh, would never make a good colonial. Is that what you're trying to tell us here? Ah, uh, no, hey, he could he, he could adjust. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, we have Coach McMahon, and he would change his game. There you go. <laughs> no, I mean. You know, we, we have guys that, that certainly know how to trash talk with the best of them. But, you know, for us, I mean, we just, you know, we, we do pride ourselves in being a disciplined team. And, you know, I mean, just the, the characteristics and core values that, that we push across. I think, you know, all the guys that, that we recruit up north, I mean, they, they fall in line pretty quickly with just understanding exactly what we want our culture to be. And, again, I think that's another really strong attribute of the backgrounds of a lot of Canadians are used to playing on a ton of different teams. You know, so they, they've had to adjust throughout their life with kind of adjusting to different personalities in the locker room and different systems and different cultures. And, you know, we find those guys just do a great job of, of immediately being able to get on page with how we do things. But we really do in the recruiting process spend a lot of time. I mean, I, I've, you know, really kind of been kicking myself at times with turning people away that were very talented that, you know, we didn't feel like we're necessarily going to be the best, best fit for us after they came and visited and spent time with the guys. So, you know, that's always kind of the final piece of the recruiting process for us is when we get guys to campus, they spend time with the team. And, you know, we tell the guys we really want them to take a lot of ownership over the recruiting process with us. And, you know, that if they're not comfortable with somebody, they need to let us know right away and, yeah. you know, vice, vice versa. And, 
you know, as much there's, there's been times where I'm like, are you sure you guys don't like him? <laughs> <laughs> like he's pretty, he's pretty oh, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they'll be sure. like, nah, I just, you know, for this reason or that reason, it's just, there wasn't, you know, it didn't seem like a great fit from a personality standpoint. We're like, all right, you know, we'll, you know, we'll make the decision that we need to make. Mm. So, um, we really have, I mean, it's hard to do that at times as a yeah, coach being honest, but, um, well, you know, I think it's, it's really helped us in the long run to, to do that and have the guys really play a big part of it. And we tell recruits that when we come in, we, you know, we let them know it's not about us. We want you to go spend the time with the team and, you know, really make sure that you fit in with them just as much as we want to make sure they feel that you fit in. Um, you know, so I think that's just helped yeah. us too with getting really quality people. Yeah. It's what all the NLGL general managers are going to be talking about on, uh, on Thursday night when they go to make these picks, you know, you've got phenomenal players that are equal in skill level, but who fits that locker room better? Uh, last one for me here for you, coach. Uh, you're a goalie out of Providence. Oh. What player that you've coached at RMU would have given you the toughest time as a goaltender? Oh man, we got a lot of them. <laughs> um, I mean, we've had some guys that just have had some really deceptive shots. I mean, that's one thing I didn't bring up with Ryan Smith, but I mean, he's got one of the most deceptive releases that you'll see out of anybody. I mean, cause he, he can bring it from every angle. I mean, he'll hit you with backhanded shots. He'll change planes in ways that you didn't even think was possible when he's coming to his backhand and, you know, I mean, he'll just release from pretty much every different point that you can imagine. And then he hits a twister that is like the most disgusting twister I think I've ever seen in my life. He'll yeah. just hit an inside roll or right out of the roll. He hits a twister. And I mean, he literally just leaves people speechless every time he does it. Um, so he's, he's definitely up there, but I mean, Kyle Matisse, he was the, the same moose. way. He was a kid that had just like a really tricky, yeah. Moose had a really tricky shot. Um, Kyle Buchanan for us, he was another one. I always joked cause people would be like, how fast does he shoot the ball? And I was like, honestly, not fast at all, but it, <laughs> it, it always find a, it, it always find a way to get to a really good space and, you know, just find a way to have a release that just caught goalies off guard. And yeah. he had, and I don't want to dog Ohio state since you had, had them on the line <laughs> well, he's here. already done. He's he, not, he won't hear it. He, <laughs> But he he had a pretty big game against them where he scored a few ones and I was talking to Coach Myers and their staff after and that was they were like he can just shoot the ball man I was like yeah he can but I was like we don't really allow him to pull it outside of like eight or nine yards yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he he gets to the space he needs to and he just said again you know still playing for a reason just a really crafty release and and find the way to get his shot off so I'd, I'd give Andrew Watt that credit back to year one too he was one that certainly lasted I mean over a decade in the league yeah. and uh did so for a reason I mean he played defensively and, and box but great he was dude, actually dude. an attackman great dude yeah and he was he was an attackman for us and put up a lot of points in his four years and he was another one that didn't necessarily shoot it that hard but just had such a tricky release that just gave goalies yeah. nightmares at times yeah that translated into the NLL as well for Wadi. uh spent a little time with him in in Minnesota last one here for you coach McMahon and and uh we gotta we gotta get a scout here on the upcoming I mean hopefully uh fingers crossed here we get a season come springtime but what's the the prospects looking like for the Colonials heading into 2021 yeah, we feel ex- ex- extremely confident in where we're at right now. I mean, we, we return a lot of our personnel from last year and, um, you know, really, really just feel confident on both sides of the ball. I mean, you know, we went through a little bit of a goalie competition kind of as we worked our way into the season before things got shut down last year and um, certainly feel like we have a really good situation in the cage moving into this year with some good, healthy competition. And, um, you know, outside of that, I mean, a couple of returners we brought, we had an attackman that, finished his undergrad for us two years ago and then went out to Utah for grad school and 
um, came back for us, you know, to get his second grad degree in a seventh year of NCAA lacrosse. I heard about up, this. So. I heard about this. Seven years. Yeah. So, yeah. So having Jimmy back will be big. I mean, he the, the first year we went to the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago and played Maryland. He had had 61 points that year. So getting him back will definitely be a huge addition. And, oh, yeah. Um, you know, of course, in Keeley as well, he's another guy, another crafty lefty Canadian that, I mean, put up almost 60 points for us two years ago. So, um, definitely feel like we're going to fill up the net and, you know, again, confident on the other side of the ball as well. So we're excited if it will get underway, we certainly are just keeping our fingers crossed that, you know, we can keep moving forward and progressing through all this to actually make sure we have a season. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the key. Well, Drew, uh, can't thank you enough for, for your time and coming on last class here. Uh, stay safe down there. Best of luck with uh, the season coming up with the colonials and who knows, uh, if you keep turning out more NLLers, like I think you will, we'll probably do this again. Awesome. Well, again, guys, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. That was head coach of Robert Morris University, Drew McMinn. And Bradley, like, I I don't know, maybe we just cancel the rest of the show and just start lining up NC2A coaches to talk to you. Because, again, like, I'd never had a conversation with Drew before, but that ranks right up there with one of my favorites. Oh, I think well, let's not jinx it, but I think we're we're on a pretty good run here of uh, the NCAA coach. They know their guys inside and out because again, that is that is their job. You can hear them light up when they talk about their alum and, and the guys that they helped bring in, the guys that went pro. There's there's just such a pride there that I don't know if you hear that in in very many other places. And just so well versed, they have those conversations. You know, we talked about with the with Coach Myers, how many GMs have have reached out, but you can tell that those guys are having conversations with high school coaches and junior coaches and players and potential recruits and just the amount of conversations that they have and the amount of time that they have to talk lacrosse is why they're so good at what, at what they do. So yeah, that was a great chat and I appreciate coach coming on 11 players from RMU in the national lacrosse league last year. Jumbo Kyle Buchanan, Mitch wild, Tyler Digby, Tyson Gibson, James Ray, Kyle Matisse, Luke Magnin, JP Keeley, Justin Robinson and Jake Rue. There you go. Add two more in Ryan Smith and uh, Brad McCulley McCulley. to that list uh, coming up here Thursday night. Break time on episode 97. We're heading to the fourth quarter. Quick sticks and something else is coming next. Keep it right here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. The Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this. Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games, loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores! Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com slash tickets today. This is Patrick Merrill, GM and head coach of the San Diego Seals. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Back on Lax Class, Brad Challoner, Jake Elliott, episode 97. I can't believe we're almost to 100. Uh, I'm looking forward to the big century mark. Uh, just heard right there from our friends at the Vancouver Warriors again, Bradley, that third overall pick. Who's it going to be? Uh, Den, I don't know if we mentioned Den and Armstrong signing a contract with uh, the Warriors. So I don't think they're going to pick a lefty early, but, uh, 
Trey LeClaire, Reed Bowering could be sitting there. Maybe Jeff Henrik, maybe Ryan Smith. We'll have to find out. VancouverWarriors.com, hashtag nothing's offside. It's been a long time since the Warriors have had a third-round selection. Uh, First-round selection, they get the three-pick overall here, Brad. Uh, It's going to be exciting, man, to see this franchise get that early of a pick and and start the – trajectory upward it's been a real struggle and and it's not the current regime's fault or anything like that like it's just it's been a long time since they've had a high draft pick and you cannot build your franchise without them no it's been uh seven years 2013 was the last time Vancouver was in the first round we talked about it to death but yeah you know I'm, I'm happy for Dan and Chris Gill in this regime because this is their They've done a lot through free agency, and they've they've done they've done a lot of good too. Making the Mitch Jones trade, they signed Kyle Killen this offseason, bringing Dan and Armstrong, uh, sort of anointing Eric Penny your number one. They've made some stamps on this organization for sure. But this is going to be what we remember this organization about, starting with this draft pick, yeah. because that is how that is how you build the team. It's through the draft and number three pick they're going to get a phenomenal player on thursday night yeah so keep up to date with all things warriors at nll warriors twitter instagram vancouverwarriors.com on the old world wide web i'm sure they will be up and running uh pushing out the content come thursday uh quick sticks bradley brought to you by manscaped our brand new sponsor on the podcast here manscaped.com hashtag manscaped pod your balls will thank you. And uh, we've been chatting over the last uh, few days, Bradley. You said that that revitalizer, you've really taken to this stuff and, and you quite enjoy using it. The revitalizer, yeah. Two quick uh, two quick squirts down low before you start your day or when you need a little pick-me-up. I'm also digging the Crop Preserver. This is an anti-chafing ball deodorant. Mm. That'll get you going, too, and uh, keep you dry in all the right places. And the boxers. They hooked up a couple pair of boxers yeah. with, our, with our kids. Had mine on yesterday. Are so, they're so light and cool, and you can just you can run and hike and go jogging all day in these things and feel like you're not wearing anything, yet keeping everything secure. Well, I'm I tell you. The Manscaped boxers. I've been uh, wearing my Manscaped T-shirt around, and, and like I mentioned last week about how the lady kind of looked at my shirt and then and – then, I got the I got like the nod of approval from a bro the other day walking through the grocery store. I kind of looked at my shirt, just kind of gave me like the the old kind of wink and the nod, like that's right, buddy. You know what's up. You're part of the club now. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 part of the team now. Uh, team Manscaped. You know, yeah, team and 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 I like I'm I'm old school, Brad. Like, but uh, let me let me give you a little story here. Let's flash back to 1995. Okay, we're going way back here. And rookie in the WLA with the Coquitlam Adnax walk into the dressing room, and and there to a bit of my surprise, Billy Callen. Uh, people will know that name out of Brooklyn, standing in the dressing room, buck naked, and and of course he was manscaped, and that was like one of the first times that I'd ever seen another dude like manscaped before, and I was kind of like, whoa. Like, what's going on here sort of thing? Took me back a little bit. He took me aside. Billy was kind of my vet and said, you know what, Jumbo? He goes, uh, when you're with, with, with a special lady or your girlfriend or whatever, you know, like, how do you, how do you like things down there? And I say, you know, I kind of, you know. And he said, well, what makes you think that a girl wouldn't kind of like the same thing? You know what I'm saying there, Bradley? And that was kind of the ahead of his time. The light ahead of his time right? in '95. The light bulb went off right there and then, and uh, things changed. But now with the the lawnmower 3.0, things could not be 
easier. In the shower, LED light, quiet stroke technology. You're done. No nicks, no cuts. This thing is magic. Promo code LAXCLASS20. Save yourself 20%. You get free shipping no matter whether you're in the States or Canada. This thing arrives quickly. And it's high-end stuff, man. Like, it's not this cheap. Like, this is good quality stuff. Manscaped.com, hashtag ManscapedPod, promo code LAXCLASS20. I know we've already had a ton of people sign up and and buy this stuff and use the promo code. Keep it coming, folks, because this is going to be a good thing for you and the podcast here as we get in to quick sticks. And not many here, but uh, let's roll through it, Bradley. Steve Govett named to the World Lacrosse Board. Congratulations to Govett as he'll represent the country of Canada on the World Lacrosse Board. Uh, the Iroquois, Bradley, I probably should let off with this. It came down just as we finished up recording last week. The Iroquois are in. All the I's are dotted. The T's are crossed. The Nationals will play in Birmingham. This is awesome. Oh, and what a chance. And this format, I know, say what you want about the format. Uh what is it? Six on six on only six players per team are yeah. going to this. Be a little and different. It's, uh, it's going to be a little different. Four, yeah, four on four lacrosse, I believe. Um, but that does that not play right into the hands of Iroquois? Like they could win. They have a good chance of winning anyways, but this could be a gold medal for them. What a story that would be. That would be unbelievable. Like uh, think about your four. You could have Lyle Thompson. Uh, Stotts, Jameson, Stotts, Austin Stotts, yeah. and Jammer, and put another <laughs> put a four pack against that anywhere in the world. Like good luck. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, the BCLA held a town hall a couple of days ago, a little live Zoom event. Uh, put it up on YouTube as well about their return to play phase three for the BCLA. I believe that's up on their YouTube channel if you want to check that out. I. Had a little issue with the execution of it all. I only got a heads up that this was happening like 10 minutes before it went down. So I don't know how many people were watching. So I want to encourage uh, if, you, if you're a parent out there with kids in lacrosse and you're worried about the return to play and what's going to be involved and how it's all going to work, go to the BCLA's YouTube channel, watch that. And uh, I think a lot of your questions will be answered. Uh, U19 is no longer U19. It is now called U20. I didn't even know that it was a thing or that it happened, but I saw the, the Twitter account, so apparently it has. So just heads up on that, I guess. I don't. That's all I had down. Uh, lacrosse Flash draft coverage continues as they preview potential high draft picks at the Lacrosse Flash. While you're there, pick yourself up a couple of T-shirts, Lax Class T-shirts in the team store. Talked a lot about the draft. We're going to talk about the trade that went down coming up here in a minute and second uh, in something else. But 21 picks in the second round, Brad. This compensatory pick, compensatory picks, Bradley, need uh, this This needs a bit of an overhaul. This is a little much for me. Yeah, I think it's getting a little ridiculous myself too. And with more teams in the league now, like you're uh, – I forget what the exact number is because I don't have the – draft list in front of me okay hang on yeah now i do there are one two three four five six seven (laughs) compensatory picks at the end of the second round there are one two three compensatory picks at the end of the first so if you're new york your first pick of the second round should be coming at number 14 it's coming at 17 that's a pretty significant drop Mm -hmm. and if you're calgary and you got the first pick of the third round at 37 
that should be somewhere like 29 or something like that. Like that is a massive drop. And, you know, when you look at how the, the compensatory uh, picks are divvied out, it's kind of all over the place. Like two firsts for losing Matt Vince, the Halifax ends up getting. San Diego got a first for Dawson and a second for Garrett Billings, even though they were only five But then Sask only gets like, a second for Mitski. Where's the threshold? Like, yeah. There's no formula yeah, Philly, to it. Philly got a first. Philly got a first for Jordan Hall. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of all over the place to me. And no other pro league does this in the league. No, and the NHL did it up until I think the last lockout, like '04, because there was people started being shady and taking advantage of the compensatory picks. Like you could sign a guy for a day. And then he leaves to go sign somewhere else, and now that team gets a pick for having that guy on your roster for <laughs> yeah. like twenty four hours. I mean, and, that's and, literally what happened in the NHL before yeah. they cleaned it out. And so. they they do they do this so the owners of the teams kind of keep control of their players, and if they lose their players, then they get compensated for it essentially. But I think I really think it it needs an overhaul, and and we got to figure this out because you, you're mentioned like six ninety three picks. It's it's a little a little match. So we'll see how that plays out in the future. Uh, a few more things here on quick sticks before we get to something else. Uh, came across Reese Dutch working out on Instagram, and it scared me a little bit for opponents of the San Diego Seals. Dutchy is getting after it. Have you seen this? Uh, I have not. Okay, but I know that I know. My, hey, I'm a big, big Dutchy fan. He's not skipping he's leg day for years. And, he's not skipping he's leg been, day. Oh, he's never missed a calf day in his life. Um, but no, this is a guy who's had to fight a pretty severe Achilles injury over the last couple of years, and to see what he looked like at 100 percent in Calgary, scoring that uh, overtime winner to, to win their championship, and had a pretty good start to the season uh, this year. And yeah, he's he's a guy that's that's still gonna has so much com- compete. You know, I've been a lot around, around a lot of players in this league, but not many compete like, like Reese Dutch does. He can't uh, teach that fire. And to have him going hard in the gym scares me a little bit, to yeah. be frank. Yeah, well, he's, he's going hard like in his like carport right now, uh, doing all sorts of crazy things. Check out Dutchy on Instagram. Speaking of Instagram, me and you were kind of kicking it around a little bit that – we may go live on Instagram during the first round of the upcoming draft on Thursday. So maybe you have the, the iPad on the draft and your laptop open and we'll be on Instagram or your phone or whatever. Uh, we may just kind of just hop on Instagram live and just talk about the, the first round of the draft. Are you into this? Yeah, we're going to we're gonna react to the first round. So exactly like you said, like it's a two-screen two thing. We're not taking any views away from uh, from Teddy and company. Have your broadcast on one screen and then have us on Instagram Live. We're kind of going to comment uh, in real time as these picks come in. So I'm going to be on the Lacrosse Classified account on Instagram at Lacrosse Classified, and you're going to do it on yours at, uh, at PXB for Sports. So make sure you're following one or both. To, to hang with us during round one of the draft on Thursday night. Yeah. few more things here on quick sticks. Uh, <laughs> this one's kind of funny. <laughs> I, uh, I woke up as I normally do and, and uh, Danny and I do not live together. So we usually text each other. Good night. And we text each other. Good morning. Well, I woke up and I had a text from, from Brad Cree about something that he wanted to find on, on the internet. Cause I talked about it on last class. Thanks for listening to Brad Cree. So Danny texted me and I was texting with Brad and I accidentally 
texted something totally intended for my girlfriend to Brad Cree instead, which was uh, a little bit embarrassing and, and uh, a whole lot funny. And and Brad Brad was good about it. He just replied saying, like, you're never allowed to say anything negative about me again. I said, never, never will I ever say anything negative about uh, Pat Gregor's man crush and Brad Cree again. So uh, that one, one of the most – one of the most underrated defenders in the National Lacrosse. Yeah, like apparently, most uh, caused turnovers in the last not decade or something like that. It's crazy. A um, couple more things here. Shout out to a tribe called Red and our boy Sakani Baker again, who provides all the kind of intro beats and the rejoiners and all that stuff. And of course, our intro song, A Tribe Called Red. Uh, producing that, and and I just had a listener slide into the DMs asking me if it was cultural appropriation using that song because it's it's about a powwow and i wanted to make sure that i i wasn't you know doing something wrong that this was okay so i went to a couple of people and and asked like is this cool if i'm using this song as an intro and and as long as i acknowledge apparently as long as i acknowledge and i'm not profiting off it which i'm obviously not it's 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 me honoring them more than anything else like that's the reason i picked the song in the first place so i just wanted to get a shout out to tribe called red if you want to hear their song it's on itunes it's available for everybody and of course sakani baker as well who uh is hella good at at dropping beats brad all right uh last one i have here i don't know if you saw this or not brad but chaka bainbridge who is a player agent in the national lacrosse league Coming out with a, a pretty interesting thread about what's happening with the Professional Players Association, Lacrosse Association. Um, sounds like there's a bit of a shakeup coming or happening at the top with, with Peter Schmitz and Dave Suckamore and some players looking to kind of step into their roles and Reed Reinhold and Josh Courier or Zach Courier, excuse me. And it looks like a bit of a coup. Uh, I don't know what else to call it. Looks like there may be a change at the top, but apparently the the PLPA tried to tell the players that they are no longer allowed to deal with Chaka as far as being a player agent goes, which leaves a bunch of guys kind of out in the wind, especially right now without a contract. But I think what's happening here is a vote is coming in a couple of weeks, October the 4th, and the players are going to vote on maybe a potential leadership change here. And I would expect if that happens, then Chaka will be reinstated and guys will be okay. But this kind of – I've been hearing rumblings of it from a couple of players and, and whispers, and now it's its fully out there that this, I think, is, is happening. There's a vote coming on October 4th, and we could see a leadership change at the PLPA. Yeah, I know Chaka represents, I think it's over 30 players in the league, and I don't know the full list, but I know there's some really good players – uh, not under contract right now in the National Lacrosse League and it's prompted some some tweets and some questions from fans and that so that could be why some of your favorite players aren't officially signed right now could just be a matter of uh, getting that all figured out in the next couple weeks here but yeah I think uh, I think change change is a coming so get ready yeah winds are blowing here so stay tuned for that we'll keep on top of that story for you as well that is it for Quick Sticks man we are going deep into episode 97 here but right now it's time for something else. Hi there, Lacrosse Classified listeners. Hey, Jake, Brad, also known as Slimbo and the Chancellor. Thanks for having me on for uh, another week of 
something else. I was going to talk about uh, the Iroquois Nationals lacrosse. I was going to talk about stuff, but um, I just went fishing. Caught the limit, and I felt like Derek Keenan. Derek Keenan just keeps on trading and pulling and playing, and nobody knows what's going on except for him. If I was a rookie GM in this uh, NLL league, I would not mess with him. I wouldn't make a trade with him. I wouldn't even talk to him on the phone. He's just going to twist you around, give you a wedgie, and send you home. Derek Keenan pulling off another little uh, trade this week. Very impressive. Connor Robinson, huge upside, but hasn't realized it yet. Unreal the way Keenan does his business. It's catching his limit every time he goes fishing. He's unreal. One day they'll name the GM of the Year award after him, but uh, until then he's just going to keep on playing for championships, and that's what he does in Saskatchewan. That's it for something else this week. Take care. Cheers. Good times. Something else brought to you by G. Wilson Construction, building fine custom homes. That is their single focus. GWilsonConstruction.com. Upload your resume today. Start your career in the construction business at GWilsonConstruction.com. That was our boy Jimmer right there with something else, Brad Challoner. And uh, we didn't really know what Jimmer was going to talk about, but Derek Keenan catching his limit as he pulls off another deal here in the consensus from our circles anyway, Bradley. Keenan coming out on top once again, acquiring a first-round pick in 2021, the 26th overall selection in this year's draft. For the former fifth overall pick in Connor Robinson, all-time leading scorer in junior Sandbelly history, High Point University, Connor Robinson, who was the number one pick overall in the WA draft, but... 11 points, 11 games, hasn't really found his regular rotation in that rush lineup, and he'll move on to Colorado and get a real good opportunity there as the rush stacked the cupboards again with three first-round picks coming in next year's draft. They have two in this year's draft and a few more picks to go along with it. I don't know how he keeps doing it either, Brad, but Derek Keenan, there's nobody better. No, and now scary for opponents around the league is that he's now just a general manager head coaching not anymore so all his attention focused on <laughs> but you know it's easy for Keenan because it's almost like he has a hard fast rule kind of like the Arlottas do in Georgia that's the only deal in one currency and that's first round draft picks and if there's a first round draft pick not involved they're almost not even interested in in hearing the conversation and we've seen that year after year after year from Derek Keenan and the way that he's built his team through the first round of the draft and they keep doing it. But at the same time, I think maybe the second was Connor Robinson is going to be a good player. And he was in a tough spot in Saskatchewan. We know that they like to only run three lefties when they bring in four kind of muddle things down. He didn't get the touches between Mark Matthews and, and Ryan Keenan and Jeff Shatler. It wasn't going to be there for him. I still have faith in, in Connor Robinson. Me I think too. he can be a, he can be a 30-goal scorer in this league. I think he could be that guy in Colorado in the system that, that they run, the way that those guys move the ball around. He's going to need some more touches to get there. He will get that in Denver. So, you know, a fifth – he was the fifth overall pick two drafts ago. Yeah. That's pretty high currency that hasn't paid off yet. So, I get giving up the first to get him. The second might be a bit of the what happens down the road and, yeah. and that sort of bonus. But 
yeah, you want you look what the good teams do. They they only deal in first rounders. So I kind of like this from from both sides. If I'm being honest. And I think Colorado, if I'm not mistaken, had four second round picks going into this draft anyway. So I don't think Saskatchewan was doing the deal without that 26 pick. And I don't think Colorado's going to particularly miss it with four, well now three second round picks. But I think that's what makes Jammer so successful is that he's always trading from a position of power. Like, he did not need to deal Connor Robinson. Like, he could have held on to him for another year. No problem there, right? But the fact that Colorado wanted him, right there, he's got the upper hand right off the get-go. So, I think what's made Saskatchewan successful, try saying that 10 times fast, is that they're always forward thinking. Like nobody saw Ben McIntosh being moved. And that's a plan for the future, as is this deal for Connor Robinson to kind of stock up the cupboards and continue to be competitive, but continue to move the franchise forward as well and plan for the future. And I think that's the kind of forward thinking that has kept the rush near the top of the league for as long as they have been. Yeah, and they know they know what drafts are going to be good. They know the crops, the juniors that are coming out, and the Americans coming in. They know the next year's draft uh, is going to be a little like this. This this draft uh, on Thursday is a very deep first, probably a ten picks, I'd say, and then it sort of tapers off from there. Next next year's draft is going to be uh, uh, is going to be very deep. So Keenan knows that, and he's planting his seeds where he can scoop up a lot of good meat out of that first round next yeah. year. Scoop up that meat, indeed. All right, another long quarter there, Brad. We got to get to break, and fourth quarter will be a quick one, but it's going to be a fun one as well. Thanks to my man Jimmer with something else. He'll be back next week as well. But we got to get to break because on the other side, it's Stampede Tax. Who you got? Two massive fights coming. Stay tuned. Episode 97, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Back on Lax Class, no more breaks. Thanks for sticking with us here. And who you got? It's time for right now, Bradley. And uh, man, oh man, we're down to the Elite Eight. And we got two dandies here for you to kick off this round. But not before I tell you that Stampede Tech and Western Wear has something to complement your oil skin coat or jacket. And a wide range of oil skin hats to go along with it made in a diverse range of colors and styles there's something to protect every head from mother nature's harsh elements stampede.ca out there in cloverdale 1966 they've been there stampede.ca online store always open and proud sponsors of who you got and lacrosse classified and into the Elite Eight we go, Bradley, and two magical matchups here for this episode. And uh, had a little chance to watch this man play some lax last night, still out there running and gunning. Mind you, he's doubled over a couple of times running up that field. And Andy Ogilvy, couple of number 20 squaring off here, Bradley. Ogie going up against the champ, Andrew Suter. I don't need to say anything about either of these guys. Who you got? Gimme Ogilvy. <laughs> I know Suits has been one of the heavyweight champions of the last decade, but I've taken a cross check from Andy Ogilvy, and I think I still feel it three years later. And that was in Masters, where you're not even allowed to cross check. So he still got me somehow, and I'm still crying about it. So gimme, gimme Ogilvy. He's just a ledge. Yeah. I was watching the 2001 Man Cup on oh. YouTube uh, game. 
game six when Whitlam comes back to beat Brampton. Yeah. Um, and, and Andy Ogilvy was a veteran then, but still one of the most feared competitors on that floor. And that uh, he was just a legend. Yeah. Mike Kelly Award winner for the Man Cup 2001, Andy Ogilvy. Um, despite Suitsy putting JJ in a, in a Cowboys onesie, uh, I'm not going to hold that against him. And I will take Andrew Suter here up against Andy Ogilvy, even though I'm, I'm probably going to see Ogie before I see Suits. Uh, I'm not doing it. I think Suits is going to the final here. And, and man, if he does, <laughs> it's just going to be wild. I really don't know. Like, I, I think now that we're down to eight guys, I think any of these guys could win this thing. Maybe with the exception of Patty Campbell, but he has some pretty strong support out there as well. So you're taking Ogie. I'm taking Suits as we jump across to the other side of the bracket here. And I don't know how you call this one either. I might I might bust out the coin. I think I'm gonna bust out the coin for this. Steve Priolo up against Jeff Snyder. Priolo, Snyder, who you got? Did they ever go in real life? Mm, I have to believe they have, but I do not know that for sure. I don't remember either. I'm going to go with Jeff Snyder. Okay. Uh, fair enough. There's no wrong pick here, by the way. So, Priolo... No, not at this stage. No, Priolo is heads, Snyder is tails. I don't know who would win this fight. Maybe the coin will. Let's find out. Heads is the call. I'm going Steve Priolo. So, me and you both with different picks in both fights here. Let's see how it pans out. It'll be up on at Lax Class via Twitter. Cast your vote. We'll announce the winner next week, and uh, we'll let you know who the next two fighters will be as well. So, Snyder, Priolo, Suter, Ogilvy, at Lax Class. Cast your votes, and we'll find out who will be the best lacrosse fighter of all time. Brad, that was a massive episode right there. Well done, and I hope everyone enjoyed that one. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm ready to go have a nap now. I think I'm a little tapped out, but no, two two great chats with the college coaches, uh, Nick Myers and Andrew McMahon. Thanks for those guys for joining us. Uh, thanks to you guys for for listening and sticking it out through a long one. And uh, I can't wait for next week. We get to break down the actual draft. Yes. We know we've been talking about it for, for months and months. It's all we can talk about without the league being in action right now, but we'll have something fruitful uh, to chew on this time next week. Hopefully nobody like started taking a nap before they actually finish the podcast here. Uh, big thanks to Stampede Tack, the Vancouver Warriors, Associated Labels and Packaging, G. Wilson Construction, and of course, Manscaped.com. Use that promo code LAXCLASS20 uh, to Drew McMinn and Nick Myers for coming on the program. Thank you to them. Great conversations there. And of course, you, the listener, for checking out Lacrosse Classified every single Tuesday right here via the Lacrosse Flash podcast. Network. Like Bradley said, we'll be back next Tuesday. Hope to talk to you then. For Brad Challoner, I've been Jay Kelly. And for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, be safe and be healthy, everybody.